while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Hello and welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. Our Reasonable Voice today Well, actually, our reasonable voice today is the former three-term mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, Maynard Jackson, via the documentary Maynard, which was produced by our guest today, Maynard Jackson's daughter-in-law, Wendy Jackson. Producer of Maynard, the powerful and inspiring story of the first black mayor of a major southern city. A Virgil Films release on iTunes Tuesday, July 3rd, 2018. Wendy Ely Jackson is married to Maynard Holbrook Jackson III and the daughter of one of the original Tuskegee Airmen, Leroy Edward Ely Sr., who worked as an aviation inspector for the Apollo space program in the 60s and helped build the lunar excursion module, which was part of the spacecraft, as well as worked as a flight instructor for more than 50 years. With her husband, Wendy Jackson, is an advocate for minorities in Georgia's film industry and with a passion for diversity and equitable fair treatment formed Auburn Avenue Films. Wendy is the daughter-in-law of the first African-American and longest-serving mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, who embodied the seismic shift in political power from Atlanta's white establishment to its growing black middle class, and who, among other things, created the world's largest airport. So it is an honor to welcome Wendy Jackson to the Reasonable Voices. How are you today, Wendy Ely Jackson? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure and my honor. Let's begin. I know we're going to talk about the documentary Maynard, but I'd also I wonder if we could begin with hearing about you and your life and growing up in Auburn Avenue Films and Virgil Films. We are. My husband and I started. I've actually. So I was born in 1970, and I, I've been actually in this business since I was 22 years old. Mm. Um, I, I started off as an executive assistant to executive vice president of movies and uh, miniseries. Her name was Helen Burnout. And I always say that was probably the most 
intense job I've ever had. And we were doing made for television movies for TV, but I learned so much from her. I learned about what we now in the industry call development. I learned about production, post-production, the importance of budgets, and making sure that they're deliverable for what they should be. So it, it was a, it's, it's been a, a real journey, forgive me. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to you guys, and I'm headed to my next destination for Maynard. So I, I, I just, I'm so glad that we were able to be able to do this documentary, Maynard. I'm excited that Sam Pollard agreed to be our director. And I will have to tell you that in, it, this has been one of the greatest achievements of my professional career because this is not a studio funded we, we did this, we raised the funds all by ourselves, and it, it's the culmination of everything that I've learned for the last uh, 26 years of my life to be able to, to really get this done. So I'm, I'm just very excited about it. Well, I've I've watched it uh, three times now, and it's moving and gut-wrenching even every time. It's an exploration into a man who chose to fulfill the dreams and goals of justice for all, particularly African Americans living under the daily oppression of segregation. We all think segregation is this faraway, distant thing in the past, but there still is, of course, uh, racial bias and a voice like yours and your husband's and and Maynard's Jackson's it's uh, it's absolutely essential so this uh, created documentary featuring a wealth of first-hand testimony regarding three-term Atlanta mayor Maynard Jackson it also included not only supporters but adversaries and family members colleagues friends including many recognizable celebrities of international reputation. How did you bring all of these people together uh, to be filmed and then put it together to make this magnificent documentary? Well, you know, one of the things that we did was we made a list of those people around Maynard. A long, long list, and you know, it, it would have been nice. We actually interviewed like 43 people and had an additional 50 that would have been on our list, but what you find is that some of the people have that very similar story that they, you know, if there were a group of people that called me dating around a certain time and those people are still friends and their, their stories kind of overlap so much. So we wanted to make sure that we got different opinions. I mean, mm. um, we got people that he mentored in Washington, D.C., people that he grew up with and, you know, his, his former wife, his widow, mm. his children, which span from um, his oldest daughter was born um, in 59 and his last child was born, uh, I believe, in 85. Mm. So, you know, he had successful children who knew persons like President Clinton when he was governor of Arkansas. Uh, Joseph E. Lowry, you know, who's the co-founder of the FDLC, yes. um, civil rights activist. Um, Jesse Jackson, who had been with them since day one in 1968, when he actually ran for U.S. Senate, Bernie Jordan, who actually grew up with them, who um, made his uh, older sister and brother their classmates, and of course, Bernie Jordan is originally from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 made a, we made a list, and it wasn't hard getting to, I think the hardest person to get to morale is a president, a past, even if it's a past president. Yes. It's harder 
to to kind of get on their schedule but you can think about a request that they get on a daily basis just to be able to to do certain things and so uh, fortunately for us uh, president clinton was ever so willing and he had great memories of of Maynard, he's an excellent storyteller. Yes. We interviewed all, all past uh, mayors of Atlanta as well. So I wouldn't say that it's hard, but it, it took it took a, a lot of time. Yes. And then we had to really we went through audio files and just kind of get in some insight. You know, we've been kind of criticized. And we wanted to go through about what his accomplishments were. And I want to say you can go to Wikipedia for that. Mm. Um, but what we you to understand the man. Mm. Oftentimes, our leaders are, are criticized on decisions that they make because really, when we elect them, we don't even know who they are. Yes, yes. We only know what they present to us, but we don't know who they are. And we wanted to give an audience a background. This is, here's a man that went to college at 14, father died, his wife's six kids, his father dies at age 15. He's at Warhouse, his grandparents had to step in to help their mom raise all six kids. He didn't want to be, of course, a burden. He went to law school, he punched out twice mm. at BU, made the family upset, his grandfather upset. He had the same kind of opportunities to make bad choices that any, any of us can make. He did not, there's a misnomer that Maynard Jackson came from a, a, a financially rich family. He did not. Mm-hmm. And what they were was they knew the importance of education, they knew the importance of, of voting, and if for equal rights and opportunities for all black people. His father and his grandfather were race men, not racist. For so your listeners, race men, unapologetically so. And so. We wanted you to just to get more mayors, not just the mayor. Yes. Um, and, I, and I think I think people kind of step away, especially those in leadership. I would say, you know, we're forever grateful to Delta Airlines and Anson Coke for really stepping up funding most of the movie. But one of the things that I, I've been able to see that it's resonated amongst those C-suite executives that have to deal with challenging situations every single day. Mm. And I'm just saying it resonates with them because, you know, when you when you don't think about what a CEO has to deal with when mm-hmm. they're, you know, a global company mm-hmm. and what weighs on them and what about political officials and how much they have to defend and sort through and manage and what effect it has on them as well as what effect it has on their families. So we wanted to really make sure that we gave an intimate side of marriage. My husband wants to do a second documentary, which we probably will do, but this one will actually be narrated by Maynard, mm. called In His Own Words. Yes. Um, so that's coming in the future, but we need to have, this one has to have a, a strong life and, and uh, distribution. Virgil Films, which is our distributor, has done a magnificent job of, of putting it out, and we're, of course, releasing on iTunes, DVD, and uh, Amazon, Google Play tomorrow, and so we're just hoping everybody will make this a part. You know, as much as you you download your music, we're hoping that you want to edify your mind as well and can and, and get your own copy. 
And I, and I think it's important because so many of us people, especially non-African Americans, really heard of Maynard, of course, because it was a big deal that he was elected mayor in a southern city. I was in New York and in D.C. at the time. I was working at the Kennedy Center and all kinds of things were happening. But Maynard, the documentary that you have produced, is, is our way of really finding out exactly what was going on, not only in the city of Atlanta at the time, and that's extremely important, because he certainly did take it through a, a colossal uh, transition and transformation, but, but also uh, what kind of man could rise from being discriminated against and be so eloquent about correcting it. I mean, he was... Uh, he was a tough guy, you know, but he knew, but he was polished. He didn't he didn't browbeat people and he didn't fall for their traps like the bankers trying to get him to choose their boards, but he laid down the law about equality and justice for all. And I think you capture that and of course through his both his wives in the in the film, you cover, you know, family, sisters, it daughters um it, it's just such a beautiful statement of his record as a human being as well as a mayor, I guess I'm trying to say. What are your thoughts? I, I, I think we definitely see that objective. You know, we all, from the moment that we're, we're born to the day that we have our sunset, we have a, a very, very divine purpose. Mm-hmm. I think Maynard, every single day, woke up making sure that he was not just being purposeful, but he was serving others. Yes. And that was a very, very important part to bring out, which his wife does, when he said, you know, I've, I haven't necessarily heard a calling, but I've been hearing a whisper. Yes. And it says to me that I've got to either go into the ministry mm. or I've got to go back into politics. Yes. Because Mina was born to serve. He understood that um, it was, you know, he normally would enter in the front door of a hotel or a restaurant and always leave in the back door because mm. he wanted to take the time to talk to every single person and find out what their needs were, what, what was going on with them, and to do something about it. I can't tell you. I mean, even since I, I, I'm actually in Washington, D.C., heading back to Atlanta now, we screamed at the AFI Sure, 
But if you have the opportunity, if you have the opportunity to do good, do it without hesitation. But to, but to do it so that we all can live a purpose-filled life and, and enrich those around us that are doing so. Well, thank you for that. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with uh, the producer of the documentary Maynard, Wendy Ely Jackson. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now, enjoy Watch Fire Music, featuring vocal artist Julia Wade singing Beautiful from her new CD, Sunday Morning. Oh, sing unto the Lord the Lord all the earth for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised yes the Lord is greatly to be praised honor and majesty back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. My Reasonable Voice today is Wendy Jackson, producer of Maynard, the powerful and inspiring story of the first black mayor of a major southern city. And of course, that uh, documentary, Maynard, was released by Virgil Films Release on iTunes, Tuesday, July 3rd, 2018. Wendy, we've, we've talked about so much and how challenging was it to gather so much historical, visual, pictorial information, which is replete throughout your documentary, Maynard? Well, I think so the information was challenging. It, you know, you try to encapsulate the, the most poignant parts of one's life of 65 years. Mm. And there, uh, you want to be inclusive of the first personal events as well as the professional events as well as the little known uh, facts about um, someone. It wasn't difficult, but it was quite tedious. Mm. Yes. So, but it is, it's a wealth of information. It seems uh, uh, that was very fortunate for all involved, yes? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, here in Georgia, university, the University of Georgia houses where that's the Peabody Collection as well. But they house a lot of the footage owned by Cox Media. So back in the 60s and the early 70s, the biggest newspaper in Atlanta was the Atlanta, you had the Atlanta Constitution and the Atlanta Journal. One was a morning paper, one was an evening paper. 
as well as uh, they have a, a station that they still own as the ABC affiliate called WSB. So we were um, able to use the, you know, license the footage from there and um, and license the footage from a lot of different places associated with press. And if you remember, CBS radio used to be the big, you know, the yes. big um, news radio for the country. Mm-hmm. So we were able to listen to some tapes and as well as we had a private collection of audio tapes to, to kind of listen to make sure that we were kind of tracking what our story was going to be for the documentary. Excellent. In addition to owning Maynard, your documentary, uh, remind us again, if you don't mind, on what other ways we can see Maynard. And by the way, how was it working with Sam Pollard? Yeah. If it weren't for gravity, I think he could. No. Sam, I, I, most people don't realize, but he's one of the most decorated African-American documentarians in the world. Mm-hmm. And because he's also um, a full-time tenured professor at NYU, I think what he, one of the big things that he brings to the table is that every every shoot is, he's doing his thing, but he's also a teaching process for me. I think where I am this stage of my career, you know, people say they need a mentor, but I really, I'm a very academic person, and he, he, he's been that. Mm. Um, I've learned so much. I think I learned more in three years than I had the 23 years prior. Wow. Um, and, and, and that, him forcing me to problem solve, not solving the problems for me. Things yeah. to consider. Here's, what, here's, here's the things that can happen. Your options, if it gets to an any level, here are your options. If it gets to an academy level, here are your options. And this is how one of the things that I believe as a producer, he taught me to work backwards. Oh. So thinking about what the end result is, you and you know what you want your outcomes to be. Mm-hmm then you strategically can work backwards to, to facilitate those outcomes. So he was wonderful. I'm looking forward to we are working on another documentary together. And, and that was great. You know, we're, we're very excited. Virtual Films, of course, is our, our distributor. And uh, now we're on Digital HD on iTunes and Google Play, Amazon, Vimeo On Demand. I even saw somebody tell me that they ordered it from Walmart. Who knew? <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but the Wally World people, the Wally World people, and it's it Barnes and Noble, so it's, it's your ability to own it um, is just about in just all of the, the, the most well-known distribution outlets, and that's, of course, thanks to Virtual Films. We are going to be continuing on with uh, Delta Airlines, we're still showing it daily over over 8,000 flights a day worldwide. Mm. A lot of people have seen it on Delta Airlines. I can't even tell you how many times I've been tweeted or someone inboxed me and um, they've inboxed the, our, our company, Auburn Avenue Films. But it's, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased. It's, it's taken what I call the Maynard track for distribution. So this is an RGB, which is the participant media film that I'm a huge fan of. Mm. But it's taken a different discipline. It's taken a different path of least resistance. Mm-hmm. And we want as many eyes on it as possible. And we definitely 
we want people to to own it because I think we we live in such a time where we need to understand that there are great and wonderful politicians and statesmen out there that are ethical and moral and uncompromising and and unyielding and that will do the right thing when it's the right thing to do. And one of the one of the things that made it used to say, you know, if politicians aren't serving the people, then they're away. They're not using their their seat to mm. do something good for uh, the people, then they are a waste and uh, the best thing we want a better day and a better way for all people. So I'm hoping that the the film continues to, to do that inspire that. Well, as I said before, I've, I've um, watched it three times, and I have to say, it, it for me, it certainly does that. It's um, it's important that it has as far a reach as possible, and I'm glad to hear that that's what's happening. For both people who are familiar with the subject of the documentary, Maynard Jackson, mayor of Atlanta, Georgia, because we we don't know. So much is flying past us so fast. We just... We, we need to take a moment and learn and know and learn from people like your father-in-law. You know, speaking of which, Wendy, both you and your husband, Maynard Holbrook Jackson III, by the way, bring a most impressive family lineage. I mean, you're so perfect for producing the documentary Maynard, even if you weren't related. You know what I mean? Can you, can you, tell, can you tell us a, a, a bit about how your family histories sort of uh, intersected and impact on your film career, as well as your future film plans. You know, I grew up, my father was born and raised in Harlem in 1927 and became uh, one of the original trustee airmen. But always, growing up, I watched a lot of movies. Mm. And... Grandmaster Mason. So 
kind of moves on both sides, you know. They're, yes. They are historians, you know, the Dobbs and the Jackson family, they are historians. Um, they weren't wealthy people, but they were very educated people. Mm-hmm. And they stressed the importance of education to their children and, 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 and grandchildren and so forth. So I think if it was a perfect storm for my, you know, my husband to have the idea that he wanted to make sure that his father's legacy is preserved. I always tell people a little thing that they don't know about him is that he is very politically astute. Mm-hmm. He has a servant's heart, just like his father. Mm. He is a person for the people. And I mean the people that most people walk over on a sidewalk. Mm. He's that man that's going to stop, talk, and look for a way to help, just like his father. So... The, the history lives on in me for, for what I uh, what I could contribute for the film and the passion as well as through my husband. Mm. Um, it was just a, I think it was the right time, and we had the we definitely have the right team. Our our director of photography Henry Adabanajo, who was mm. also worked on the um, Academy nominated film I Am Not Your Negro, mm. Daphne McWilliams, who was our line producer. She's been, you know, worked on Emmy award-winning films as well, and so we just we just had a great team. I will have to, you know, I have to shout out to Spike Lee because I had a lot of a lot of the people that came up with Spike back in the school days era were part of my crew. Oh wow! Yeah, so we we, we greatly benefited from the great, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm very pleased to say that we we had a lot of college interns that got a chance to work on their first major uh, motion picture. You know, we made this movie in Georgia. Um, we employed over 40, 42 persons. And um, I do remain eternally grateful to Delta and Coke and um, all of those that sponsored as well as the 167 individuals that gave to make this project happen. I, I, I have to go on record saying you can't just stop with the documentary, though. We're trying to, we're putting together an educational curriculum to accompany the documentary to make sure that Maynard is not just be mentioned in the history books, but people can actually learn. You know, people say affirmative action to millennials. They're like, what's affirmative action? Hmm. So, wow. Uh, <laughs> right. They don't know what affirmative action is. They just hear that Donald Trump plans on dismantling affirmative action. Yes, exactly. We want to make sure that that not just it's not just in a documentary, but it, there's an educational version. So you know, everything costs money, so we're continuing to to apply for grants and, and get donations from different companies and individuals. Well, you may have answered this question, but uh, before we go, I'm going to ask it anyway. What overall message are you hoping we, the people writ large, will learn from Maynard, both the documentary and the man, and 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 will take away from our conversation today? I think it's important that we we continue to vote. Voting is better than not voting. It is the Maynard uh, used to say that politics is a perfect, but it's the best nonviolent means of changing mm. the way we live. Opportunity to change our communities and be impactful and have a, a voice in 
our democracy is that it's with our vote. The second thing is economic opportunity. We must, we must be inclusive and allow people of all races and creeds and, 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 and genders and persuasions to have a seat at the table. Yes. That's what makes our country so rich, is being able to have multiple trains of thought brought to a table, discussed, and implemented so that there can be economic opportunity for everyone. Um, and the last thing is education. Hmm. Education remains, you know, Will Smith used to say a long time ago that it's, what is, it's important to get an education, but it's really more important to be educated. And the different thing, not everybody's going to go to college, but mm-hmm. not, that should not eliminate their ability to be educated and being trained and and have have a skill set. Yes. So I think we want to take. We want everyone to take away what we call the ballot, the book, and the book. Mm. And those are the three things that I, I just mentioned to you about Maynard's life. That those were the uh, pillars, if you will, the mantra that he stood on, which is he was taught by his grandfather, John Wesley Gallup. And making sure that, you know, that we all, we are, we continue to be servants to other people. It's not enough, it's not enough for us to ascertain and gain wealth and opportunities if we're not serving other people and making sure that they have those same opportunities as well. Okay. That's what I'm hoping to take away. Excellent. Thank you. We do need to go. Uh, we want to remind you that uh, the Virgil Films release of Maynard, the documentary uh, about the uh, first black mayor of a major southern city, Maynard Jackson, Atlanta, Georgia, has been released on iTunes, among many other outlets and platforms that uh, Wendy has mentioned. She is his daughter-in-law and our reasonable voice today, Wendy Jackson, producer of Maynard, the powerful and inspiring story of Maynard Jackson. Thank you so much, Wendy, for taking time to talk to us today. I greatly appreciate it. We wish you all the very best. Thank you, and thank you so much for having us. Our pleasure. Bye now. Bye-bye. And now, enjoy Watchfire Music featuring vocal artist Jenny Burton singing Tear Down the House from Is Anybody Listening?
Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. What kills democracy? Our failure to choose justice for all. How we perceive the global COVID-19 SARS-CoV pandemic and its if-you-can't-beat-them-join-them political Hail Mary marketing reversal, Operation Warp Speed, for misadministrating shots of vaccines, and its fast-forwarded race against presidential arrogance, media manipulation, indeed time itself, exposes beyond embedded historical fears to our broader centuries-old sleight-of-hand grasp of self-truth. History most easily repeats itself most efficiently the very moment we, the easily impressionable people, fail to follow the line of succession from LBJ's Gulf of Tonkin lie and Nixon's Watergate break-in impeachable offenses through fantastical overdoses of trickle-down, welfare queen, government is the problem, misleading campaign slogans to McConnell's Bork revenge against all Democrats, particularly all Obama and Biden presidential public policies, to to reconnect Americans to United We Stand. However, the intentional discordant bridge from Nixon to 6 January 2021 didn't culminate with the sore loser Moscow Mitch, nor the wildly yet tiny swinging pendulum of Lindsey Graham, or the foxy anti-we-hold-these-truths-to-be-self-evident tag team Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity, continually enabling clones like Nunes and Marjorie Taylor Greene to spawn the infection of America's infamous tragedy. Americans replaying near-suicidal short-sightedness, killing our own young with our blind faith in the profiteering chicanery of corporate-sponsored warmongers. We really had to be exceptionally mesmerized by the mushroom cloud con of Bush-Cheney-Rumsfeld-Wolfowitz to accept forever oil wars in which the Watson Institute reports between 480,000 and 507,000 people had been killed in the United States post-9-11 wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, before all we like sheep could willingly prostrate ourselves as welcome mats to the big lie of our 45th. The destruction of our democracy needed every shouting attendee of Trump rallies from Tuesday, 19 January 2016, to every 2021 attacker of our nation's Capitol building and all Democrats, Republicans, and Independents therein. While by far the tightest grip on the champion of death tolls trophy belongs to global pandemics standing astride the bodies of so many who could have been spared but for the lack of competent and caring leadership. However, coming in second for the Selfish Negligence Award are those whose chosen mission is to convince Americans that patriotism best honors American values by being manipulated, duped, and ultimately sacrificed by one's elected leaders. We need now internalize this forever. Such a definition of patriotism is a false positive, perpetuated by those whose sons and daughters are rarely sent into harm's way. So, when evaluating communications and communicators, election choices, or revising our opinions about conservatism, or those who've most recently gone sour on the big lie, conservative Republicans in Congress and many state legislators have decided to vote. The end justifies the means. Divine obedience to regain and maintain political power at the expense of Americans and our electoral process. It's time we reevaluate, reconsider, and remember. 1. 
Not all presidents fit the mold of Washington, FDR, and John Kennedy. Two, currently the legacy of conservative republicanism reflects more Jim Jordan and Ron Johnson than Senator Eric Dirksen. Three, there are more Thurgood Marshalls and Ruth Bader Ginsburgs on the Supreme Bench of Democracy than there are Thomas and Kavanaugh duos. Four, too many Americans suffer, go hungry, even die, every day to maintain the cash flow for elected officials long on promissory notes with little intention of delivering on anything save using our taxes to fuel their rise up the ladder of self-aggrandizement. 5. The International Criminal Court still considers senior members of the Bush-Cheney administration war criminals. Why? There were no weapons of mass destruction, no threatening axes of evil until world stage elevated by Bush Cheney and Trump Pence. 6. Remembering American World War II internment camps for Japanese Americans or Nazi-like Tuskegee syphilis testing on American citizens of color can, understandably, harbor a lack of trust for the old white fathers maintaining a chokehold on power. 7. Currently, the legacy of Edward R. Morrow, Walter Cronkite, Huntley Brinkley, has been tarnished by conjecture, shamed by hyperbolic distractions, and mocked by poor attempts at variety show entertainment, minus the variety. With too much news sacrificed to fleeting TV sound bites between too much corporate marketing. But from now on committed to thinking, perhaps we won't be blinded by the manufactured patriotism yielding profit for those who choose to send us in harm's way in a Vietnam or Iraq. So, before we form political opinions that impact our daily lives, consider this. Just because a congressional Trump supporter opposes the big lie Trump employs to gouge the gullible doesn't excuse their conservative agenda of anti-America, anti-people of color, and anti-women voting record. Maybe, just maybe, if we think of the global coronavirus COVID-19 SARS-2 as a rehearsal for what our children and grandchildren will face the more we deny the effects of climate change, we might just make better political life choices. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.